Today is the last Sunday of our perspective series. We've been looking at the cross of Jesus Christ through the perspective of different persons who were there to witness the events with their own eyes. What they saw, what they thought about what they saw, what they believed was happening and what was really happening and what it has to do with all of us. We've also been gaining some different perspectives on each of these characters in the story as we've been challenged to listen to both of the Sunday morning sermons, Jeff and myself, preaching on the same thing but from our own perspectives. I've really enjoyed that. I've enjoyed this series. I've gained a lot from listening to Jeff's sermons. Sometimes I've wished that I had heard his sermon before I wrote my own. <laughs> I think, man, that's a good point. I could have used that one. I guess that would have taken away, though, from our different perspectives, and that's kind of the point, the different perspectives taken together that get us to a fuller understanding. Because none of us have it all figured out yet. When we talk about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known, we all have a ways to go when it comes to truly knowing Jesus. Some of you have said that you're going to continue listening to both sermons even after Lent's over. That's great. I was hoping that might happen with some. Perspective won't be our theme anymore, but we will continue to coordinate our preaching themes and, and make sure that we're moving in the same direction. So if everyone listens to both sermons, perhaps we'll get there twice as fast, right? <laughs> Perspectives on the cross. There were two people hanging on crosses next to Jesus. Two criminals who were crucified for their crimes at the same time as Jesus. These two men were physically closer to Jesus in that moment than anyone else. Closer to him in proximity, they were hanging right next to him. And closer to him in experience, they were going through the exact same torturous agony as he was in that precise moment. And yet these two people experiencing the same thing at the same time had two completely different perspectives on what was happening to Jesus. The one derided him. Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. That was not a cry for help. He did not expect Jesus to miraculously come down off the cross and free them from their crosses. He wasn't even hoping that would happen. He knew that it wouldn't happen. Furthermore, he didn't even believe it could happen. He believed that Jesus was absolutely powerless in that moment, just as powerless as himself and the other criminal on the other side of Jesus. He was mocking Jesus for being powerless in that moment. Are you not the Messiah? Had Jesus claimed that for himself? Had others made that claim on his behalf? No matter, Jesus had never denied the fact that he was the Messiah. Today is Palm Sunday, the day that we remember Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Everything that Jesus did during that parade pointed to the fact that he was the Messiah, riding on a donkey, the palm branches, the cries of Hosanna to the king, all of these pointed to the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, the new king. And as such, he was expected to defeat all the evil in town and claim all the power around and take his place upon the Jerusalem throne where he could reign in peace and justice would finally have its day. To see him defeated, hanging on a cross like a common criminal, that was the complete antithesis of what everyone expected from the Messiah. To see him powerless, unable to fight back, about to die, 
That was all the proof that anyone needed that he could not be the Messiah. That any claims that he was were false and foolish. The Roman soldiers mocked him because of it. That's not a surprise. The temple authorities, they did likewise. That's not a surprise either. But a man hanging next to him, condemned to the very same fate, subjected to the very same torment, that someone in the same sorrowful position as Jesus would choose to deride him in that moment, that says something. And I don't want to brush this off as, oh, look what a horrible person he was. This isn't about that one criminal hanging next to Jesus being a bad man. Actually, Matthew's gospel tells us that both of the criminals were mocking Jesus for some time. Luke tells us about the one who took up for Jesus against the other, so he must have had a change of heart at some point. Being that close to death can do that to a person. So can the grace of God when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you. But before he stood up for Jesus, he was mocking Jesus too. And I have to suspect that you or I, if we had been the ones hanging there, I have to suspect that we might have done the same thing. Because this story is showing us not just about this one personality, it shows us something about human nature. Human nature, sick and twisted as it is by sin, will cause us to do and say some of the most awful things especially when we are in the grips of our own suffering. Part of our human tendency when we are hurting is to hurt others, to strike out at someone else. When I'm ministering to someone who's going through the throes of sickness or grief or disappointment or pain, I have to remember to pray myself up and to put on my thick skin. Because no matter what I say or do, there are bound to be some arrows coming at me simply for the fact that I'm the only one there to aim at. When we are in misery, one of the ways we humans deal with that is by trying to make others around us even more miserable. Misery loves company, right? I know it's cliche, but it's true. When things don't turn out as we had hoped, we sometimes think, well, it'll make us feel better if things are worse for someone else. When I was appointed here to faith community, I knew that I'd have a big challenge in front of me. I knew there were a lot of people who were upset about the way things had gone down before I even got here. And no matter what I did, good or bad, right or wrong, I was going to bear some of the brunt of other people's pain and grief. I'm not blind to the fact that there are still some people who have their ire pointed at me. I can't complain, though. I knew what I was walking into. And I understand human nature. And honestly, I'm not above it myself. I'm human too. I'm a sinner too. I wish that weren't the case. I wish that I was always above that. And when I become aware of my jealousies or my desires for vindication, I repent. And I ask God to give me a new right heart. But sometimes it takes a while for God to get me there. Here's another cliche that's true. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people, hurt people. That's what the thief on the cross was doing when he was mocking Jesus. Actually, both of the thieves on the cross were doing it for some time. They were in torment and they were lashing out because of it. They couldn't save themselves. They were angry. They were suffering. They were in the most excruciating pain imaginable. 
And here, hanging on the cross next to them, was the man who was supposed to be able to stop all of that. The Messiah was supposed to defeat the Romans and put an end to this kind of torture. Since Jesus didn't do that, and since it appeared to them that he couldn't do that, they turned their suffering upon him. And Jesus took it. Jesus took it. He didn't strike back. He didn't defend himself. He didn't say, no, no, you've got me all wrong. He didn't say, you'd better be careful what you say to me. Do you know where I can send you when you die? Jesus hung on the cross, and he took their abuse. Just as he hung on the cross and took the abuse of every sinner that has ever lived. Just as he hung on the cross and took the abuse caused by my sin. The grace of Jesus in that moment had an effect on one of the thieves hanging next to him. One of the thieves had a change of heart. One of the thieves repented, not only of the crimes that had put him on the cross in the first place, he repented of the unfair abuse that he and the other criminal had been heaping on Jesus. Do you not fear God? He said to the thief on the other side of Jesus. Somehow he came to understand that although Jesus was not the type of Messiah they had expected, he was not a warrior king come to fight with swords and fists, He was not an earthly king come to rule over a worldly kingdom. Although Jesus was not that kind of Messiah, the thief came to realize that he was a righteous man, that his suffering was not brought on by his own sin, but by the sin of others, that his crucifixion was not a righteous judgment on him, but on everyone else. And he began to understand that Jesus did not come down off that cross, not because he couldn't, but because his suffering and death was redemptive. Through his death on the cross, Jesus was opening up the way to a new kingdom, a kingdom not of this world, but eternal in the heavens. And as the thief's time in this world was quickly coming to an end, he realized that he wanted to be a part of that other world in which Jesus would reign supreme. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. This is one of the pieces of good news for us in this story. Anybody can change. That the grace of Jesus Christ can work on our hearts and wear down our hate, and overcome our resentment, and outweigh our sin. The thief on the cross was brought to repentance. He was convicted by the truth, and he called out to Christ for deliverance. And in return, Jesus told him that he would be with him in paradise that very day. That is very good news for you and for me. Because it means that ordinary sinners like us, okay, I won't include you in that. I don't know you well enough yet. (laughs) It means that an ordinary sinner like me 
can be brought back from the brink of destruction by the grace of Jesus Christ. And when I say the brink of destruction, I mean the very edge of complete and total destruction. This man was minutes away from dying and going into eternal punishment. The man was a sinner. There's no question about that. He says himself that he was condemned justly, that he deserved the punishment he was getting. But it wasn't just the punishment he was getting on the cross that he had to be concerned with. If he had died on that cross without calling out to Jesus, he would have been punished for eternity. The pain that he was suffering in that moment on that cross, he was within minutes of being condemned to suffer that pain forever. That is what he had earned by his sin. And that is what all of us whether we realize it or not, whether we want to admit it or not, that eternal pain is what all of us have earned every time we have turned our back on God, every time we have demanded our own way rather than God's way, every time we have put ourselves above someone else, every time we have haughtily thought ourselves better than someone else, every time we have put our own wants over someone else's needs, the pain that those two thieves suffered on the cross, that is ours for eternity by virtue of our sin. But when the thief called out to Jesus, the Lord told him his pain would end that very day. That before the day was out, he would be with the Lord in paradise. And that means that you and I can be there too. That means it's not too late for any of us. No matter what we have done, no matter how hateful or hurtful or judgmental we have been, no matter how many times we have made ourselves into gods, no matter how many times we have hardened our own hearts, salvation is at hand. God still loves you no matter what. Christ stands ready to redeem you. All you must do is surrender. Surrender to him. Stop fighting for your own way. Allow his grace to wash over your heart and to fill you with his love. Confess that you do not deserve his mercy, but that you crave his mercy. You depend on his mercy. Cry out to him just as the thief did on the cross. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Today, Jesus said to the man, today you will be with me in paradise. The thief on the cross, he only had minutes to go. You and I, well, we don't know, do we? Some of us probably have several decades left on this earth. That's a whole lot of sinning yet to do before I have to change my ways, right? No, no, that's not the point. Please don't think that you can continue to be a scoundrel up to the last minute and then repent and get into heaven because, hey, it worked for the thief on the cross. That's not a good plan. For one thing, none of us know when our last minute will be. 
The thief on the cross, he knew that his life on this earth was going to end that afternoon. Most of us will not get that kind of warning. None of us are guaranteed any kind of warning. And even with the thief in the story, if he hadn't been crucified at that very moment, on that very hill, right next to Jesus, he would have missed out on his chance. Don't miss out on your chance. It was by the grace of God that that thief did get crucified right there next to Jesus so that he could see the light of God, so that he could repent and be saved. It's by the grace of God that you've been brought into this church today so that you can hear that salvation is waiting for you in the cross of Jesus Christ. Don't miss out on your chance. Today is the day to receive that grace. Today is the day to respond to Christ's welcome. Today is the day to repent and turn your life over to God and be brought to new life in Jesus. For another thing, even if you did know how long you had, you have absolutely nothing to gain by waiting. The life that we gain in Jesus is infinitely more satisfying, incredibly more rewarding, entirely more fulfilling than anything we can find on our own terms. Waiting until the last day to repent and be saved, that would be like waiting until the last day of your life to eat dessert when God's offering you dessert after every meal for the rest of your life. The riches of God's mercy are inexhaustible. The joy of union with our creator is indescribably glorious. The peace and overwhelming contentment of being right with God, that's worth more than everything in this world. And all of those things are available to us now, today. This is the day to take hold of the life of joy and peace that is found only in Jesus Christ. Today is the day to accept Christ as your King, your Savior, your Sovereign Lord. Even today, you can begin to get a foretaste of paradise. If that thief hanging on the cross next to Jesus were here today, he would tell you, don't wait. Don't wait. Call out to the Lord today. Avail yourself of his grace today. Be washed of all your sins today. Enter into the joy of your master today. If you're wondering how to do that, there's no formula to it. There's no fancy ritual that you have to go through. It's just a matter of turning yourself over to God in prayer, of confessing that you are a sinner in need of God's grace, that that grace is offered to you in Jesus Christ, and receiving that. We're about to receive the sacrament of Holy Communion, and before we do that, we will go through a, a liturgy of confession and forgiveness and thanksgiving. And as we do that, I hope that it's not just a rote repetition for you, but that you pray this in your heart, that you mean it. And if you do, then God's grace is with you. That's all that it takes. We turn in the front of your hymnals to page number 12. <laughs> 